0: Hey everybody, welcome to You Were Born for This Podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Gilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29. This is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Mary. Unbelievable, it's almost the end of August. I know. It's football season, Father John. Oh, I'm pretty stoked.
1: Yep. Go blue. <laughs> I am too. Not.
0: <laughs> hey now.
1: Hey, I've I'm, got my favorite team. I'm
0: very excited. Um, I love, first of all, I just love the format that we're doing right now. And I'm so appreciative of the comments we're getting from brothers and sisters who are writing in saying, uh, thanks, it's, it's. I pray, uh, doing what exactly we had set out to do, which was to continue to try to equip people uh, by reflecting on the scriptures in anticipation of the Sunday coming up, but zeroing in on that first reading and then applying it to our lives. So... I just love the, the way the Spirit's doing this, and I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. What is the topic?
1: So the topic today is prophetic pain.
0: I feel like Mr. Himself, this sounds like a Mr. T good. skit. Remember the the old Saturday Night Live? <laughs> the word for today is pain. <laughs> yeah, the word for today is pain. i bet uh, you
1: pray us in, sin, Mr. T. <laughs> okay.
0: In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Lord, we uh we Thank you. We thank you that you communicate yourself to us. Your love for us, your sorrow when we are not walking as we should. That you enable us to feel uh, the ache that moved the second person of the Trinity to become flesh so as to rescue us. Lord, we ask for hearts ever more conformed to the heart of Jesus, that we would feel as he feels, and that you would give us wisdom, courage, charity, and boldness to speak on his behalf in the way that he would have us speak. We just ask your anointing on our conversation right now. And we ask that you would send us forth into the world as attractive, joyful, convincing heralds despite our brokenness uh, to point people to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. We got a couple announcements.
1: Yeah. So, um, all you shoppers out there, if you're getting ready to run your rescue, this. I don't know, this month, right? Yeah, probably. Um, uh, Or in the next couple months. uh, Our merch store has just opened again. So I think we're going to be open until September 11th. So if you're interested in buying some cool Rescue Project swag, just go to rescueproject.us, click on the banner, and it'll take you to some cool stuff, cool gadgets and and weapons.
0: weapons. (laughs) Spiritual weapons. (laughs)
1: Spiritual (laughs) weapons. So do your shopping now to get your team equipped for... um, for your fall rescue, and then, you know, Father John, what's on my heart still? You know, days after we, uh, days days after what we were going to talk about is, we had, an, the amazing joy and blessing of hosting, um, a number of seminarians in our office. Yeah, we had just seventeen guys 17 from guys.
0: A variety of different dioceses uh, here who are all studying at Sacred Heart Major Seminary. They came in and spent a better part of morning and part of the afternoon with us as we talked about, um, a little bit about our work, but then really teed up running the Rescue Project at, uh, at the seminary. And maybe just, I, I know like you, I was so inspired by the guys that we met, um, some of whom I knew, most of whom I didn't. Uh, just grateful for the call that is continuing to get issued by the Lord to come away and to follow him in the way that he's calling those uh, who are discerning priesthood to come away. And just maybe an exhortation for people to pray, pray. not only for the guys who are in the seminary, especially these guys. So there were mostly third theology, which means they're going to be ordained transitional deacons at the end of this school year. And then there were three transitional deacons uh, who will be ordained priests next year. So pray for the guys who are in the seminary, wherever they may be, and keep praying for more priests because we need them.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. And these were really great, great men. Lots of joy. Lots of enthusiasm. And eager to get out there to preach the gospel I love to it.
0: people. Yep. Praise God. Okay. Speaking so. of preaching the gospel, we get <laughs> this week uh, an excerpt from the prophet Jeremiah. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and proclaim the word of God for us and then we can yeah, we'd be do happy we can to, to let it rip us And this apart. is one
1: of my favorite passages from Jeremiah. So, um, so here we go. So You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. You were too strong for me and you triumphed. All the day I am an object of laughter. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I must cry out. Violence and outrage is my message. The word of the Lord has brought me derision and reproach all the day. I say to myself, I will not mention him. I will speak in his name no more. But then it becomes like fire burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones. I grow weary holding it in. I cannot endure it. Well, there is so much richness there that I know we want to unpack. But Father John, if you can, because we know context is so important, can you just set this up for us?
0: Yeah. No, it's one of my favorite readings too. Um, So uh, Jeremiah is... Probably the most autobiographical book that we have, certainly in the Old Testament. The only person that would come close to it is Paul in his letters. So Jeremiah is writing in the, uh, you have to get this right because it it seems strange when you're going before Christ doing numbers. 7th and 6th century BC. So Jeremiah is like late 600s, which means like 620-ish. Uh, through the um, late um, 500, So he's probably called to be a prophet right around the time 627 B.C. That's the time frame here, all right? So he's born in the reign of King Josiah, who is a great king. He's the one who leads to the reform, uh, recovery of the law. He's a longstanding king. He's king for almost 30 years, maybe a little bit more than 30 years. I think it's 640 to 609 Jeremiah is the son of a priest and he is himself a priest who then is called by the Lord to be a prophet. And he's called to be a prophet during horrific times for the people of God leading up to and including uh, the Babylonian invasion and then the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 586, 587. So that's kind of the... The broad historical framework. This particular chapter, which is not poetic, let's just say that. This is a man in anguish. It's his his cry out to the Lord. It's it's profound anguish. And we'll talk about that, but it's profound anguish because of what it is that he's. It's it's profound anguish because of the message God has given to Jeremiah, which is not a cheery message, Uh, it's a message of repentance and of a call back to God. So um, Jeremiah 19, this, this excerpt that we have at Mass on Sunday is from Jeremiah 20. It would be very worth everybody reading. Well, I'll tell you what. How about I do this? Can I, can I just read what it is that Jeremiah does right before this, which Absolutely. leads to this? Absolutely. So imagine you're Jeremiah. So called by God, living in the midst of this idolatrous people who's... Turn their backs on God. And this is chapter 19. This is what immediately precedes uh, what it is that we've just heard. Thus says the Lord to Jeremiah, Go by a potter's earthenware flask and take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests and go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom at the entry of the potsherd gate and proclaim there the words that I tell you. So this is, we were talking the other day, we were making reference to Jesus cleansing the temple. Mm -hmm. That's known as a prophetic act. When Jesus does that, he's just, he's in continuity with, he's the eternal son of God, to be sure, but he's in continuity with things like this. This is a prophetic act. So sometimes God gives Jeremiah, or think of Hosea, go marry a harlot, uh, or Ezekiel. He asks them to do things. And so the act, the gesture, not just the words, is a way to speak to the people. That's what this is. So the Lord goes on. He says, you shall say, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, behold. I am bringing such disaster upon this place that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. Imagine you're, you know, you're in prayer one day and the Lord gives you this message. You're like, first of all, you're like, uh, is that really you? And then if it's like, yeah, this is really God, you got to be kidding. You want me to say this? Because the people have forsaken me and have profaned this place by making offerings in it to other gods, whom neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known. And because they have filled this place with the blood of innocence, child sacrifice, and have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or decree, nor did it come into my mind. Therefore, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place shall no more be called Topheth, or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And in this place I will make void the plans of Judah and Jerusalem, and will cause their people to fall by the sword before their enemies, and by the hand of those who seek their life." I will give their dead bodies for food to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the earth, and I will make this city a horror, a thing to be hissed at. Everyone who passes by it will be horrified and will hiss because of all its wounds, and I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and their daughters, and everyone shall eat the flesh of his neighbor in the siege and in the distress with which their enemies and those who seek their life afflict them. Then you, Jeremiah, shall break the flask in the sight of the men who go with you and shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, So will I break this people and this city as one breaks a potter's vessel. So that it can never be mended. So I'm reading this and I'm looking at your face. You're like, oh my god! This is
1: crushing. I'm, I'm just imagining if the Lord were to speak that word, like to me, I would be, I'd be crushed.
0: Absolutely, like, Lord. So you can imagine this is not received very well, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, so th- this is chapter 19, and then in the first couple of verses in chapter 20, which is immediately before the passage, we get. Um, the people, um, they respond with hostility. Um, he's arrested. He's placed in the stocks. So he's, he's beaten um, by the chief priests, which leads to this passage that we get from Jeremiah. <laughs> That's hence the words, and... So let's just say something about what G, what Jeremiah says.
1: Right, I, w- I would like to break open just even that first that first
0: phrase. Yeah, you duped me. You duped me. Yeah. So th- this is a difficult word to translate. It's something more like you seduced me. In fact, it's it's got people going to hear this and probably go, Ooh, or I'm not sure sh- so sure about that. It has a, a commonality. It's almost as if um, Jeremiah says something along the lines of you raped me. You violated me. You forced yourself on me, and I let myself be forced upon. So this is a man, as as we mentioned, who's in extraordinary anguish. Now, let's maybe just talk about how we apply this to our lives, because I think this (laughs) this is very important for us to know. And we were talking just before we started to record. I think there's three things that are worth just, breaking open. The first is just a simple reminder for all of us that each and every one of us is a prophet. We we, we say things, you know, we hear language in the church all the times, you know, that we're all priest, prophet, and king. And I think most people know that. I don't know how many people know what that means.
1: Can I ask you to give us a simple definition of the word prophet?
0: Yeah, one who speaks on God's behalf. Right. That's a prophet. Right. So we are all, every single one of us, by baptism, commissioned by God, filled with the Holy Spirit to speak on his behalf. And in, in Scripture and in history, um, God raises up prophets usually to address one of two things, idolatry or trampling of human dignity. That's when, that's when the prophets speak. In this case, it's both with Jeremiah. It's idolatry and it's the trampling of human dignity. They're worshiping false gods and they're killing children to the false gods, right? They're sacrificing them in the fire. I'm thinking Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was a prophet.
1: Oh, indeed she was, yes. Right,
0: she spoke on, the, on behalf of the dignity of every human person. Dorothy Day was a prophet. Right. But you and I are called to be prophets, to speak on God's behalf. So first, we're just, we've all been these. God didn't become a man so that a few people would know about it. He became a man so that everybody would know about it. And he wants to use us to lead others back to him. So... Might might be worth saying, like, the obvious. Here's the second thing. Sometimes being a prophet isn't all that fun.
1: Oftentimes it's not fun, especially, I think, especially in our current culture, you know, and and maybe not even so much our culture. Clearly, culturally it's difficult um, to to give voice to our faith, but even in our families it can be difficult. Yeah. Um, to speak on God's behalf, to yep. be faithful to the one whom we've met, whom we love, whom we know, who we have signed over the rights of our of our life to. So clearly, I think we're living in times that it's, a, it's becoming more and more difficult in various spheres of life to be prophetic, yeah. to live prophetic lives.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, even as you're talking, I'm thinking of, it makes me think of, we have to be very careful. Some of us are really good at speaking truth. And we're really bad at doing it in charity. love.
1: Yeah.
0: How Others of us it? kind of err on the side of you know what we think is charity, and we forget the truth. And we water down. The truth. And, and I'm always mindful of Moses. Mm. You know, Mo, Moses, the you know the most the meekest man of all time, according to the Old Testament, doesn't get to go into the Promised Land. So here's the guy that God uses to rescue the people from slavery in Egypt, splits the Red Sea, you know, feeds them with manna, or becomes the means by which the people are fed by manna. And he doesn't, go, doesn't get to go into the promised land because he strikes a rock. I know. That's just, that's just and, and in doing life. so, he, he fails to communicate who God is. In other words, he, he becomes enraged. And in doing so, as the representative of God to the people, he doesn't get to go into the promised land. In other words, he does not have at that moment God's heart. And it's such an, an, an egregious transgression, mm-hmm. that Moses doesn't get to go in the promised land.
1: That's rather sobering for all of us.
0: Yeah, a long way of saying we are commissioned to speak on God's behalf. We have to beg him for to the, give us his heart to do heart. it. Right? Yeah. And that's so, hard. Right, right, right. You know?
1: You know, uh, as we were opening up our conversation, Father John, I was sharing with you that this has long been one of my favorite passages from Jeremiah And I think what I appreciate most about this passage is his honesty, Mm. his honesty before the Lord. He come, I mean, sometimes um, if we're honest, you know, uh, we think that we have to clean up our prayer when we go before the Lord, that it has to be neat and tidy. And I have to say it in such a way where it almost is pious language rather than, coming to him like in the rawness of words, the rawness of our heart because he sees it anyway, and just to tell the Lord, this is how I feel. And, and in those moments when we do come before the Lord in, in this raw human honesty, I think, I don't know, but I, I think that would delight the Father because he already knows our hearts anyway. But I think those are probably some of the most fruitful prayers that we can make and the most honest prayers, and the ones that delight God more than anything else.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so, we, we talk here, uh, one of our apostolic values is uh, authentically human, and we define that in a number of ways, but one of them is it's okay not to be okay, and give each other per- permission to be real. It's okay to not be okay with God. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be real with God. You know, the saints prayed, like Jeremiah here, in ways that I think most of us would feel very awkward praying like but the saints are trying to teach us how to pray. That's right. Right? Like they, they don't hold back. Teresa just
1: of Avila was one of those saints. Didn't she say something akin to something like, Lord, if this is the way you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few. Yeah, you don't have so, very many.
0: Yeah, you don't have very many. Yeah, I mean, like that's pretty raw, right? And like what parent can't, relate to that. You know, as you watch your child go astray, like what, what friend can't relate to that? What disciple can't relate to that? You look at the state of the church or the country or the culture or the world or whatever, like how many of us are tempted to pound on God's chest? Well, Jeremiah has given you permission to pound on God's chest. God says, it's okay to pound on my chest. You just better listen to me when I answer you. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist is in prison. He's rotting. Holiest man ever born of woman. St. John the Baptist, right? He's in jail, about to be beheaded. And his cousin, the Messiah, who he pointed out and identified as the Lamb of God, is doing nothing for him. No hunger strike, no petition drive, no letter to the emperor. And so remember the scene in the gospel, one day John the Baptist sends some of his disciples to Jesus with a question. Are you the one? Yeah, are you really him? Yeah which means what? Was I wrong? Right. Saint John the Baptist, holiest man ever born of woman, can say something as blunt as that to Jesus? Are you really him? Was I wrong? And then Jesus responds, and Jesus says to his disciples, "You go back and you tell John what you're seeing. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are coming to life." So we can we can speak very honestly to God. Again, we got to be ready for him to speak really honestly back to us. But I think that's a real, to me, I think that's one of the the most applicable points to this scripture passage for us this coming week. Like, yeah, it's good to know I'm a prophet. Yeah, it's good to know that sometimes being a prophet is going to be painful for me. But I can bring that pain to God.
1: Absolutely. And he is the place that he is, he is the one we can bring that to. But even as you go further into that passage, Father John, he makes it so clear in that same prayer that even though he says, you know, I'm not going to mention him anymore, I'm not going to speak his name anymore, but this fire is just burning within him and he can't help himself. Yeah, Like he knows he has to. And and so we can't unknow who we know. We cannot unmeet the Lord. And once he's touched our lives we don't have any choice right right because but because hopefully our experience would be the very very same thing lord this is how i feel and i'd love to walk away but i can't because i cannot unmeet you because i know you are holy and you have called me and that you're real and that this is the fullness you are life you are everything you are lord so i love this it's just a prayer full of anguish acknowledgement of who he is. And even though I would love to step back from this, I know I can't because you were real and you were Lord and I love you. And life apart from you is a nightmare.
0: Yeah, this is probably way too revealing for some people to want to hear. They might be scandalized by this, but it makes me think, I can remember when I lived in Rome, early nineties, I used to think of this passage all the time. And God broke into my life in such an unexpected, profound, undeniable way when I wasn't looking for him. Mm. And it was like this in the sense that I felt imposed upon. Like all of us have to make a decision to respond to it, to be sure. But the Lord imposed himself on me. And I can remember countless times I'd be walking around the streets of Rome and I'd see people doing all sorts of things they shouldn't be doing. And I would look at them going almost with a sense of envy.
1: Mm.
0: And, And the way the envy were in my mind was I wish I didn't know what I knew. Like I wish I was ignorant. So that I could do what I'm seeing them do, <laughs> and then I would, you know, I, I would have to catch myself and say, no, "Lord, I I don't want to be like that. I, ignorance isn't bliss. Ignorance is ignorance." That's right. You know, but but there's a Psalm 73 is a great Psalm in the Old Testament, which is basically a man going through that experience. He's looking at the world, and he's filled with envy. He's tempted to be envious of the wicked, because it looks like they can just do whatever they want. You know, they, their, their bodies are sleek, they, they prosper, they're wealthy, and um, they curse God and nothing happens to them. And he says, I was tempted to imitate them until, he says, I went into the house of God mm. and know. considered what happens to the wicked. And, and so it is for us, right? We can, we can be tempted, at least I can be tempted, maybe others can be tempted, to think, I wish I didn't know what I know so that I could do X or live in that way. But the, the, the corrective lens that the Lord offers to us is let me show you how this all ends. First of all, it's, it's a lie that the best way to live life is to indulge every appetite and then to repent when you die because sin is never more, it's always less, right? So sin is not life, it's, it's the diminishment of life. Uh, And people who are stuck in that pattern of life have a a less opportunity of repenting because you just habituate yourself to live in that way. But we need to ask the Lord, Lord, help me to continually call to mind Mm -hmm. that it's better to be a doorkeeper in your house than to dwell in the tents of the wicked.
1: Amen. Amen, Father John. You know, even as I'm listening to you talk, I'm just thinking about my own life. And I think the remedy sometimes for the, the pain of the prophet is just asking God for the grace to be steadfast, asking God for the grace to persevere, because the life of a disciple is not for the faint of heart. Uh, discipleship comes with a cost. It's not cheap grace, yeah. right? It, it's it's a um, life and, and abundant life, but it comes with a cost. But God can handle it when we come to him on our face, begging for mercy, yeah, begging for help.
0: And that's the third Third and final and shortest point, God's faithful.
1: Amen. Amen,
0: he is. God's faithful. He's never going to not give us what it is that we need for the task that he's entrusted to us or for the word that he's asking us to speak. When we get a word like this, we probably want to make darn sure that it's really him who's asking us to speak it. This is where you want a spiritual director or somebody wise and just go, hey, I think the Lord might be calling me to do whatever. But the Lord is always faithful.
1: Can I, can I just back up real quick, Father
0: John? I'm
1: thinking about. Uh, you know, we, we talk about needing to speak on his behalf, you know, in, in love, in charity, in truth. as always with love. As you read that passage from Jeremiah 19 about the breaking of the flask, I'm thinking, how do you give forth those words in charity? That's a heavy word. Like how do you how how do you couch that? More than likely God's not going to give us that kind of a prophetic word. Or yeah, and if you break. think you
0: got a word like this, call somebody yeah, real yeah. quick and go, Ah, does <laughs> this sound like God yeah. to you? Yeah, call your this pastor. Is, <laughs> this is what I'm being asked to do. Yeah. Oh, it, it, God. It, it, yeah. There there's there's discernment and then there's confirmation. That's right. right? Testing yeah.
1: the spirits always. That's yeah. exactly right. Oh, Father John, what a great conversation.
0: Yeah, and, and let's yeah. just linger with that last word. Yeah. God is faithful. Meaning what? He's true to himself, faithful to his promises. Yeah. So he's he's never. You know, we, we talk about Joan of Arc all the time here, you know, and we talk about how each one of us is in task, are entrusted with a particular task. He, he never says, "Hey, here's what I'm ask you to do. Good luck." It's never that. He's always with us every step of the way. He inhabits our breath. He fills our minds. He fills our hearts. Um, he is love. He's not an angry parent. God doesn't have emotions the way we do, huh? He is love and he loves us and he wants his children back and he's using us. He's he's blessed us with this extraordinary opportunity, broken as we are, selfish as we are, sinful as we are, uh, to communicate his truth and his message in charity so as to help gather his children back. So because God is faithful always. Do not be afraid. God is with you, and you were born for this.